episode number 217 of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. I am on a mission to get people emotionally equipped. I created three simple, practical, and step-by-step mindset tools to empower people in their lives and in their relationships. When you get emotionally equipped, you learn how to be in control of your emotions, how to get clarity on who you want to be moving forward, and how to feel confident that you can create whatever it is you want to see in your life. I'm the author of two books, Getting Unstuck and The Clear Way, which you can learn more about over on my website at shiragora.com. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So before I begin, I'd like to share with you an email that I received. Actually, it wasn't an email. It was a, a form that you can fill out from my website, a contact form. And I received it in my email just a couple of days ago from a woman that I've never met before named Kathy from Alberta, Canada. And she gave me permission to share her words with you. This is what she wrote. Hi, Shira. I've listened to your podcast from the very beginning. I have followed you through your journey over the years, and you have accompanied me on mine through issues with raising my son, work issues, marital issues, my husband's infidelity, and my recent divorce after 29 years together. You have been there every week on my drive to work to help me make sense and help me cope. I'm currently on a spiritual journey and studying A Course in Miracles for the first time. You and many other authors and spiritual leaders are a big part of my journey. I thank you. I've meant to write to you many times, but some of us are not natural writers and find it to be a daunting chore. Maya Angelou said, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. In what initially seemed to be the darkest moments of my life, I thank you for helping me to feel strong, capable, loved, worthy, and enough. Shira, please know that my life has been touched by your being here on earth. I am part of your legacy. You are loved, my sister. Wow. So I was blown away by this email. You know, sometimes you receive emails, you don't know who you receive emails from, and you open it up. And this one, it just blew me away. And I wrote to Kathy to say thank you, of course, and that I would like to meet her. And Kathy, I just want to say again, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Because despite the fact that I publish a new episode every single week, and I've been doing this for four years, it's impossible to know the lives that I may be touching. And so when I receive emails like this from my listeners, it really, really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. Okay. This month, I am focusing on talking about or reflecting some of my thoughts on the concept of respect. Last week, I shared with you a story regarding What sometimes or often happens when my family, that is my husband and my kids, come together to eat a meal. And I mentioned that I would follow up on last week's episode to share some thoughts and insights on the concepts of boundaries. So as a refresher, I'll share with you what a typical meal looks like in my home. We sit down together and I am consciously committing to being calm and mindful which is reflected in my slow pace of eating 
and pausing between bites and putting my fork down often and engaging people in conversation, okay? But the other people at the table aren't necessarily doing those things. And often I find myself stuck. So one example is when my husband speaks to me when he has food in his mouth. It really, really bothers me. First of all, to me, it's terribly unattractive. Secondly, I don't even understand what he's trying to say when he's doing that. And thirdly, I feel like he's modeling to our kids a way that I truly find distasteful and disrespectful. So I'm stuck. Let's start there, okay? He's not stuck. I'm stuck. And I know that for sure because of how I'm feeling. He's feeling fine as far as I know. I'm not. So while I'm sitting at the table without anyone knowing, I get myself unstuck using the unstuck method. S. I take a stop. I pause. I breathe. T. I tell myself that I'm stuck on annoyance among many other emotions. U. I uncover my beliefs. I believe my husband should be acting differently. I believe he should respect my wishes. I believe he should slow the heck down. But when I look closely at these beliefs, I recognize that none of them are 100% true. They aren't. Even the belief about the fact that I think he should respect my wishes, he doesn't have to. He's his own person. He could do whatever he wants. That is his birthright. C. I consider other perspectives. I can consider crying or yelling or pouting, but none of those ways are ways that I want to be. I can consider telling my husband, again, of my wishes, but that would be just trying to manipulate him. So last week I considered being respectful, that even if I felt others at the table weren't necessarily respecting me, but of course that's subjective, I can still be respectful. But today, I'd like to offer you another consideration, and that is to set a boundary. And the boundary I would like to set in this situation is, if you speak to me with food in your mouth, I'm not going to respond. And before I talk more about boundaries, I'm just going to close up the unstuck method with K for kindness, where I place my hands over my heart and hold myself in self-compassion for having gotten stuck on annoyance. Okay, boundaries. So boundaries are something that you create for yourself as a way to protect you. So in this situation, I set up a boundary so that I can stay at the table and enjoy the meal. I did not set up a boundary for my husband as it's really not about him. He can continue doing what he's doing. He can continue doing whatever he wants, really. It's just that there's going to be a consequence if he does. And when I say consequence, I don't mean that like in a mean or bad or hurtful way. And I don't say that in a way to make him wrong or bad or to try to manipulate him. And I also don't mean it in a way to try to control him. When I create a boundary, I'm not creating it for that person, but rather I'm creating it for myself. And I express my boundaries when necessary so it's clear to the people around me what my boundaries are so they don't overstep any of them. Now, some boundaries are considered universal norms, and there may not necessarily be a need to express them. Like most people have a boundary 
that they won't be hit or they won't be yelled at or they won't be shamed or anything like that. But let's say someone grows up in a home where there's a lot of yelling. It could be that that person then becomes a yeller in their life. And so if you are a neighbor of that kind of person, they may yell at you on occasion, even though that's a boundary for you. And I'm sharing this from personal experience where I literally had to say to my neighbor, when you scream at me, I will not respond. I'll be happy to speak with you anytime, but I put up a boundary when you scream at me. I literally just explained this to a neighbor of mine a couple of weeks ago, and actually it was pleasantly well-received. While it may be hard for some people, I do think many people appreciate knowing your boundaries, not so that they know how to act or change right around you, because remember, your boundaries are not set up to be manipulative, but they're helpful because if they cross your boundary, they're going to know how you're going to react. And this is a really, really important part of boundary setting. You need to follow through with your consequence. If I were to say to my neighbor, if you yell at me, I'm not going to respond, but in actuality, I start yelling back, the boundary that I set has no value. If I say to my husband, I won't respond if you are speaking with food in your mouth, but I actually do, he's going to step over the boundary time and time again. If I say to my kids, I'm not going to yell across the house, but I do because it's easier and quicker, they're going to continue with that behavior because my boundary won't seem real or serious in their eyes. And I see boundary setting as a part of your personal responsibility of living the life you want to live. It's about expressing clearly what you will stand for and then expressing that to others so that they know and then, of course, following through. And if we can do this from an unstuck place, the better. In other words, if I'm setting a boundary with my husband, but I'm stuck on resentment because he doesn't care about me, he doesn't listen to me, he doesn't respect me, it's probably not going to be a very effective conversation. But if I'm not stuck on insult and I'm not coming from a defensive place, but rather a neutral place of, you know, this is the situation and this is how I plan to respond the chances of the conversation and situation running smoothly is going to be so much better. So I'd like to invite you to think about the different stuck situations you have in your life and where you may want to put up a boundary in order to protect yourself. What would the boundary be? What would the consequence be if someone oversteps it? And can you envision yourself expressing that in a way that doesn't come across as hurtful or rude. And by the way, if it does come across that way, I kind of hate to say this, but that's on them. So if my husband, for example, doesn't like that I'm putting up this boundary and he feels like he can't eat freely at the table, that's really on him because I didn't say he can't eat or act or talk the way he wants. He can. It's just that I won't always participate in the conversation when he does so in a way that crosses my boundary. So it's important to know where the responsibility lies when it comes to emotions. 
you are never responsible for someone else's emotions, ever. You can certainly express to the person your intent and reasoning behind setting the boundary, but how they act and feel and think is always on them. Okay, my dear friends, next week I am really excited to share with you an interview that I did with one of the participants of the six-week Emotionally Equipped journey. My hope and vision is actually to interview one participant every month as a way to introduce you to the various people around the world who are getting emotionally equipped, and also so you can hear their stories and get inspired by the changes that they're making in their lives by using the tools that they learned in this course. And of course, I'm sharing the interview as a way to encourage you to consider joining a future journey. So please stay tuned for next week. I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your own life, you have to check out the Emotionally Equipped Journey. This is my six-week course where you study my tools in depth with me, either in a group format or one-on-one, so you can learn how to be in control of your emotions, how to get clarity on who it is you want to be moving forward, and how to feel confident that you can create whatever it is you want to create in your life. Head over to my website, shiragora.com to get yourself started. I look forward to starting this journey with you.